Hi everyone! Welcome to the Curiously Creative Podcast. Curiously Creative loves creativity and inspiring people to follow their own creative curiosities. We hope to bring you a bit of joy and inspiration with everything we do so that you can fall in love with creativity too. I'm your host, Akriti Lee, and each month I share conversations with all kinds of creative people who share their journeys and unique perspectives around their own creativity. We hope these conversations help us understand our own creative process and have the courage to live more creative lives. Today, I'm so chuffed to be presenting the beautifully honest, lovely and insightful Sarah Frizzell. Sarah is the co-founder and head honcho of The Lucky Taco, a highly acclaimed taco food truck business that were at the forefront of the modern food truck industry here in New Zealand. Having learned from some of the most famous chefs in Mexico, alongside extensive research of the food truck industry in California, they have developed their own taco flavors, Mexican horchatas, chili salts, sauces, pickles, and taco meal kits. As well as doing private events and establishing amazing collaborations, they have become one of the most loved and popular food brands around, sharing their experience and knowledge at many conferences and events, and receiving a multitude of awards both locally and internationally for many, many years. Okay, I start off with saying thank you. This is so amazing to be sitting in your kitchen. Oh, no, I feel like we need higher stools. Yeah. Well, that's the story of my life. I always need We're higher petite. stools. But that's okay, this is comfortable. So the first way to start the interview is pretty much getting an idea of how it first started. Had you always had this desire to start a food business? <laughs> nope, I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, so... I studied graphic design at mm-hmm. art school in Edinburgh, yeah. um, so I always liked creative endeavours. Um, I didn't really know. I think everyone does graphic design when they don't know what they want to do. When they want a real job. Yes. But they want to do something else. <laughs> um, and then I kind of veered into advertising. So I spent my kind of summers um, interning at advertising agencies, and I really like the advertising life. It's kind of glamorous. It's kind of fun. There's lots of partying. It's like that's great. That's for me. And then yeah, seven years in advertising in Edinburgh. And then I sent my portfolio to lots of places around the world because I thought, I'm 24, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And got offered a job in South Africa and a job in New Zealand and mm. picked New Zealand. And that was in April 2006, mm. I think that's right. And really didn't like the career anymore. It was sucking my soul. And my, my love for food kind of kept growing as soon as I moved to New Zealand and met right. Otis. So when I found... My husband, I was like, this need to nurture and feed someone kind of took over. And just the produce in New Zealand, I don't know, something just clicked. I don't come from a culinary background or family or my very basic cooking. My mum didn't really cook. My dad didn't cook at all. But Otis's mum was a great cook. And so I used to spend my weekends going through all of her recipes and copying them and tuning them. So I kind of really didn't like advertising. And I'd spend all my time in a recipe book or in food or planning dinner parties and then it veered to tacos love the flavors i love chili i love hot food and i like the vibrancy of mexican food and i thought it just misrepresented here so much Mm. then we went to la on our honeymoon and i fell in love with the food truck concept and otis was like if you're so unhappy in advertising you need to stop it and i didn't know what i wanted to do and then he was like i'll support you for the first couple of years but you need to know what you want to do and i said and we were with friends. We were friends of ours in LA. Friends we've just actually seen again after seven years. Yeah. And they were like, 
you guys should start a food truck. You know, if anyone can do it, you guys can do it. And there's not really any gourmet food trucks in New Zealand. There wasn't when we started seven years ago. There's always been the white lady. Much respect to the white lady, but it's, you know, it's been there for the probably older than me, nearly. Classic white lady. Classic white lady. We love the white lady. And then, so we're like, yeah, okay, let's start a food truck. And it's been a crazy seven years since So, so part of it was like when you moved into New Zealand, Otis must have really loved food at that point, so oh, that you kind of yes. got drawn into that food yes. world. Yeah, food makes people happy. I mean, I do miss the advertising salary, don't get me wrong, because um, <laughs> salaries don't exist in a small business. It gives me a lot of pleasure to feed people. There's nothing more powerful than someone saying to me, that's the best taco I've ever had, or that's the best mac and cheese I've ever had. That's me. I'm just like happy. It like, sounds like that became the expression of you showing love in some ways through that food, you know? Yeah. Like, Why do you want to feed <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, don't yeah. be wrong, a lot of people love our spouses, but we just like, oh, you sort yourself out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. do that ready meal shit or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and advertising, look, I've, a lot of my best friends are in advertising and it's fine, but yeah. I feel like you have to be a different version of yourself right. in that arena. I had real trouble not being authentic to myself. It was kind of making me unhappy. I didn't believe in a lot of the work we were doing. I feel very fortunate now to be doing what I'm doing and be able to support ourselves because, you know, you don't start a food truck to, to make money. If you want to do anything in the world, you would not work in food for a start because it's very little return financially. But emotionally and everything else, you know, you're either drawn to it or you're not. But, you know, to just be free to do every day what I want to do and no one tell me, um, no, that's not quite right. Or can you change that? Or can you make the logo bigger? Can you change that copy? Actually, no, that's not working. To be able to just do everything purely authentically every From day. From your own voice. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. that's worth more money. So before you moved to New Zealand, even though you don't come from a culinary background. Did you still have, like, an interest in food? Was there some element of, like, excitement that came from food? Yes, I love to eat it. <laughs> but I couldn't, I could not boil an egg when I moved to New Zealand. Oh, my God. I could wow. barely, do, like, cook pasta or, like, I would burn toast. Um, I, I was completely self-taught when I moved to New Zealand. And I've been here a third of my life now, th nearly 13 yeah. years at New Zealand's home. Uh, I was a really terrible cook. In fact, oh my God, you just reminded me. Oh, so when Otis and I first started dating, you know, I was like, come over for dinner, right? I made curry. I made a curry. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to follow this curry recipe. Someone give me love Indian food as well. And I was making a sag, you know, the spinach? Yeah, 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 sag paneer. Sag paneer. I was yeah. making that. And the recipe was like four fresh chilies or something. But all I could find in the pantry at my friend's house where I was splashing was um, dried chilies, which are way hotter than some fresh chilies. I think they were about 40 years old. They just <laughs> intensified. Yeah. And I thought, oh, they're only little as well, so maybe I should double that. And I think I ended up doing like, you know, eight or, or ten. <laughs> And, you know, ground them in a, in a, in a mortar and pestle yeah. and put it all into the spinach. And it was like green lava. That's how we would describe it to me. But because we were kind of d just dating. dating and we were kind of all fresh and, you know, in love, um, he ate it and it, he was oh. sweating. <laughs> so we call that the green lava date dish. It was inedible, but it was horrific. And um, I'd had lots of disasters. And you know what? And I'm not a chef, I'm a cook, I'm not trained, um, yeah. but I've taught myself in this kitchen or, and in that kitchen. But even top chefs 
make mistakes and make food mm. that's not great. I'm sure any chef would, would tell you that. I mean, I always practice before I would cook anything for anyone. Yeah. I do a test drive myself because there's nothing worse than it not being quite right for a group of people. I crucify myself forever. Yes. Mm. But I think that's generally the case for anything that you're trying. I think even if it's cooking or creating a piece of design, oh, totally. or whatever, like you really should test it out. You're putting a bit of yourself out there. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, it's like you say, like art or design yeah. or, or communication or if you're a poet or whatever. It's a piece of you. <laughs> if you're not really happy with it. Yeah, and I think you're not practicing in the right mindset if you think your first goal is going to be. Primo, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've been making the like, it's funny, like the calabacita is our veggie taco. I learned how to make it in Mexico. Um, zucchinis kind of pan, pan seared a little bit, so they're kind of a bit golden. Tomato, corn, chili, garlic, onion, herbs and spices, and I can I can make it with my eyes closed, but I still taste it every single time, you know, because it might just need a little bit more acid or a little bit more salt, but Pretty much, I know when I put my fork in that giant bowl, I'm like, it's right. How do you come up with your ideas, whether it's for your recipes or whether it's for a new project or how you want to offer your service for, within your business? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, I have a clipboard over there with yeah. all the recipes, and I don't need to follow it anymore because yeah. I know it, but there were lots of trials with friends before we started the business. Yeah. So I'd have, like, on a Friday night... I'd get friends over and I'd have like five or six different bits of steak from different marinades mm-hmm. that I'd be testing. You need people's feedback. They're the people that are going to come and eat your food, you know. I, no, despite what I think, I mean, I, I trust my own palate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was lots of experimenting and then lots of fine-tuning. And now it's um, it's very scalable. I don't make the marinade anymore. It gets made off-premises by Loft Foods, who are my, my saviours. My, I love them guys. I don't know what I would do without them. They make all the marinade. They make all my salsa. They make all of our pink pickle. So unless it's more bespoke, like slow cooking the pork yeah. or the beef tongue, mm-hmm. um, which is my favourite, we've managed to get Aucklanders eating offal, which is really awesome. <laughs> that was an interesting one. We'd started the truck and we ate everything in Mexico. Um, beef tongue is one of my favourites. Yeah. It's called it's lengua. And I was like, you know what? We should be offering people a, a bit of the experience that we had. And I think once you've got people's trust with your flavors, you can offer them something that maybe they wouldn't try, but they'll give it a go. Um, and lots of people eat the lengua now. So I go, like anything with recipes, Google. Yeah. When we first made our hot sauce, I Googled, I YouTube videoed how to make hot sauce, no jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just bumble your way through and keep fine-tuning. And then just to keep experimenting. Keep experimenting. Yeah. Keep fine-tuning until you kind of get it right. Not Recipes aren't always scalable either. Like what would go into making 24 bottles of hot sauce is not necessarily what would go in exact scalable for 2,000 bottles of hot sauce. Yeah. So kind of learn that the hard way. That was pretty daunting to start when we started making hot sauce. But it's like, you know, add the salt and the citrus last because once you've added that, you can't pull it back. But now we've got recipes that are locked down and you know we don't even have to be there anymore. We go to the factory, we go, right, I want another 2,000 bottles of habanero and it's, it's done. I mean, I still taste it when it comes back, but it's just locked down. I was just thinking about this the other day, right? When you go to McDonald's, I have a soft spot for a Big Mac. <laughs> if you go to McDonald's and you get a Big Mac, it tastes like a Big Mac. It's never, ever not gonna taste Something like a Big Mac. Mac. And I think that consistency is key. Like when someone comes to the truck 
or it's like that steak taco they had five years ago will taste like the steak taco like today it's mm. it's exactly the same i think that people get addicted to a flavor and you've got to keep that consistent so I know you've got a really strong emphasis on keeping things authentic. Yes. <laughs> and so coming back to that whole awful story. Yes. How do you balance being true to what you want to create or balance the authenticity mm-hmm. of what you want to create while also keeping in mind uh, the audience that you're creating for? So I guess the awful is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. true, totally. I, I think it's always good to push people's boundaries a little mm-hmm. bit and, and give them something new to try, otherwise life would be totally boring. Yeah. Well, I know you said part of it was you build their trust. Yeah, up, totally. And then you introduce something new. Exactly. But to get to that point or to get to that knowledge, mm. was there a process? I think I just like experimenting and I, I think it's a shared experience. I loved that a lot so much in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I think we should try it here. And no mm. one else was doing lengua. In fact, I know now Baduzi has like um, it's like a beef tongue carpaccio and right. it's becoming trendy. Yes. But when we started doing it, you know, people were a bit... I, we did brains as well, lamb's brains, yeah. which is tacos de sesos, lengua is, is, is beef tongue. And no, it didn't fly. <laughs> it didn't fly. And I, um, I'm still in touch with our friend Ruth in yeah. Mexico, who we did a cooking course with her. She's I a think, famous yeah. chef. So anytime I tried anything new, I would email her and go, right, I'm, I'm thinking about cooking this. This is what I was going to add. How would you do it? And she helped with the recipe for mm-hmm. that. So yeah, she taught, she helped teach me. We released it to the chalk. And then people were like, it's funny, even though we write steak on the board, people ask for beef. I don't know why mm-hmm. people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, I'll have the beef taco, please. And I was like, the beef tongue? Or, and I say that weird because of my North, Northern English accent tongue <laughs> the tongue or steak and people are like oh no the, the steak the steak and like well it's still cow yeah and it's still part of the the same yeah and that's how we got people to try it i said and i used to say look if you don't like it don't you don't have to pay for it so the strategy was to maybe just communicate it it's like oh it's the same thing yeah so while you have it on, on the truck yeah you actually encourage encourage people, people totally to try people it to try it that way <laughs> aside from building a sense of trust and the recipes that you produce beforehand mm. as well as maybe encouraging them to take it has there been anything else that's any other actions that you've consciously taken to encourage people to take more of to try a risk um i wouldn't say i i remember we had a meeting with al brown once who, who we love um yeah. and he you know, his advice when we started, he came to the truck and everything and he just said, keep it simple. Do mm-hmm. a few things and do them really well. And I think that's such good advice. We, we've experimented and we've had specials, but, you know, we don't actually, we're not publicly trading very much these days because right. we do all the meal kits and the, the supermarket products and we're mostly private catering, which is right. great because obviously we've got a good reputation. People just want to book us privately yeah. mm-hmm. and it's guaranteed income. So we yes. do still pop up when we because we'd like to do that straight yes. and see our regulars yes. that we met seven years ago. Yeah. But um, we're not really encouraging people to try new things as much because people privately book us. Right. And I can say that no one has ever picked Lengua for a flavour for a private booking. <laughs> no one. So would you say in that sense, like, it's nice to have it because it is authentic mm. and it's something that's in a core part of what you stand for? Yeah. Even if it's not... 
for everyone. For everyone, or yeah. widely accepted. Yeah, I think um, it's good. Well, also, we're not Mexican, right? So we had to go to Mexico to give ourselves that layer of credibility before we started doing tacos. Had to do that. And no one's ever seemed to have a problem with it. I think we respect and pay homage to the taco, but we've put our own spin on it because we're not Mexican. I would never say we're authentic, even though we've got lots of Mexican. We've we've got loads of Mexican friends and they're like, that's the best taco. You know, it's not authentic. And, you know, having just come back from L.A., just a a huge Mexican population in L.A. Mm. And we ate a lot of trucks. And, you know, taco, they are quite simple. You know, you get two corn tortillas, like doubled up Mm -hmm. because they fall apart a little bit. It's part of the fun with just the meat, usually just some raw onion. And then roughly chopped coriander, mm. and you get salsa verde and salsa roja, maybe some charred radishes and some yes. onion, and that's it. That's yeah. it. And, but we have, you know, we make spicy avocado cream, we have the pink pickle, and there's different versions. There's some that are more gourmet. Look, we went to a Michelin star taco joint, mm-hmm. and it was good, but I felt like if it's too fussy, it takes away from the taco. I did really enjoy it, but it was the, their tacos weren't my favourite out of the whole trip. That's the whole coming back to keep it simple. Keeping it yeah. simple. Beautifully simple, I think, in a way. I think we make it look simpler than it is, but everything's so considered. But what is simple, right? Simple is actually really complicated. Yes. To get to simple <laughs> yes. takes a whole series of processes. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to go, oh, yeah, just add things in. Yeah. It's about editing. Yeah. It's editing yeah. and honing. It's so many little things done really well. And if it looks effortless, it's not being effortless to get to that step. Because for me, like a lucky taco has got to have the crunch. It's got to have the spice. It's got to have the Mm -hmm. meatiness or or if it's fish, it's got to have the umami and and then a bit of heat, and then a bit of citrus, yeah. and now I'm hungry. <laughs> I was thinking while you were talking about the sauces, I'm like, I'm so glad I've had breakfast. I know, I've had a smoothie, and my stomach's gurgling. <laughs> Otherwise I'd be dying. Might be tacos today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like... It, when you see something simple or when something looks simple, yeah. it's very easy to forget that there's actually so much more behind to getting to that point. So much. Simple. Something is simple or feels simple because someone has spent a lot of time. Yeah, getting it right. You know, getting it right. To make I know. it feel that way. Kind of like anything that you do, any skill, right? Yep, yeah, for sure. Or so right. someone running 100 meters in like four seconds. It's like... That was really easy, but he's trained yeah. for... Like, ten years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I just want to go back to some of the, your early experiences. Sure. When you first came up with the idea, you're like, oh my God, it would be cool to have a food truck. Um, how did you know and decide that this was what you both really wanted to do? Because we all had that moment that like, hey, that would be a cool idea. Mm. But, you know, you don't necessarily do anything with it. That's a um, very good point. Yeah, so how did you have that moment of clarity that this was more than just an idea for you? And you know what? You've just reminded me, the amount of people when we first started, and we you know, we were open six days a week when we started, because yeah. you've got to, and you've got to do every market, yeah. you've got to just get yourself out there. Um, it's like, yeah, our friends with trucks now who are in their early 20s, they can do that. You know, I'm nearly, mm. I'm nearly 40, so I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> but the amount of people that would come to the truck and they'd be like, oh, I had this idea. And I'm like, oh, yes. did you? Well, where's your truck? Yeah. Are you sweating in a truck? So many people have an idea, but to have an idea is one thing. 
It's having the idea is 5%, making the idea happen is 95%. And that takes a little bit of an extra conviction. Totally. To actually go, okay, we're going to actually do something with this. That's one thing about me. I I never not do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. But if I say I'm going to do it, I will do it. Was this something that was a tipping point for you to help you decide? Just, I had to get out of advertising. Okay, so it's like you hated your job. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My motivation was unemployment, so I totally understand. Yes. I don't know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit crazy, and I had to do it. And Otis, bless him. Not many people would have done what he did. And, you know, this kitchen we're sitting in now, we didn't have this for the first year and a half of mm. the truck. We cooked illegally inside in our house. Everyone does that too. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, council. And Otis said, you know, and he helped for the first two years because, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. I had no, I, I didn't even know. In fact, another Al Brown thing that he laughed because we would hand chop the red onions for our pink pickle, yeah. like in the half moons. And he's like, like, you know, peeling the skins and everything yeah. of garlic. And, and Al was like, like you know, one. you can go to the produce company and you can get like bags of peeled garlic. You can get 10 kg bags of processed onions. Of course it costs a bit more, but there's you no way. So much time. Oh my God. And I didn't know that because I had no hospitality experience in New Zealand. Yeah. What, my last hospitality experience was 18 in bars in the UK. Yeah. So no idea whatsoever, you know, as many meltdowns have happened and crying and tears and bringing dishes from the truck through here, washing them in the house yeah. at three o'clock in the morning and just having no clue, yeah. no clue. Yeah, it's like it's that <laughs> process, right? Like of just trying things out and then you hear something from someone you're like, oh, okay, maybe that that's an idea. Maybe I'll try it this way. Yeah. Because you don't know everything. Oh my God, no. And if you out. did, if you did, you wouldn't do it. If someone, no, if someone would have showed me how hard or the, what we'd have gone yeah. through, I don't think you would do it. And In I, that situation, a little bit of naivety and ignorance is a good thing. A, fr- a good friend of ours said, you've got to be equal parts brave and stupid to start your own business. And I... And I, I forgot about all the good qualities there, but I think there's a lot of truth in that. Because also, I don't know what the stats are. In fact, someone just sent it to me. But like, only one in ten businesses, and maybe that's being generous, kind of succeed, you know, small businesses. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that most of them, like 95 or 96% of it don't last past five years Yes, or I know, I know. It's, it's shocking. Like so if yeah. you looked at them stats, you'd be like, hmm, I'm going to take a 4% yeah. chance there and then... Um, so yeah, we're seven years old, nearly, and we've only just thought, oh, we kind of got it a little bit figured out. Yeah. And only just. <laughs> so. Well, that makes me feel better, because I'm like th- just three and a half years old, sort of, but kind of on and off, like doing things on the side, yeah. alongside other things. You'll get the um, three and a half's a hard bit. Yeah. Even though three and a half sounds like, oh my God, that's been a significant amount of time. It still feels like I've just started. Totally. <laughs> totally. Apparently it takes 10 years to build a brand. Ten years. I think there's like <laughs> there's this misconception as well that having a business is so glamorous. Do your own business. So it's not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and build your own brand. And with this whole like social media, um, Insta, Facebook culture, that when you see a lot of people having so many followers, to- presence, I- and like yes. things like that, you think that it's something that should happen overnight in some ways and or it, like quickly yeah. and it doesn't but it's not so, i mean people say oh i love your stories because you're just being you and being silly and that's great that's that's awesome i started doing them because i'm mostly in here by myself all day yes. and i get really lonely <laughs> so i'm like hi everybody you know just being kind of silly yeah. but then that's transpired as people 
you know, enjoying the content or whatever it yes. may be. But you can tell people that have got fake because the amount of followers they've got doesn't resonate with how many posts they've done. Mm. On our Insta, I think I've done something like 15,000, you know, and we've got 16,000 wow. followers. So yeah. kind of worked for that real like authenticity. Organic yeah, organic. You can, yeah. Reach, yeah. I don't know why people pay. You can just tell. It's like, oh, they've done... 100 posts we've got like 23,000 yeah. followers yeah. I'm kind of flipping my mindset there as well because Instagram is something like I'm like oh what do I do I feel like such an old lady <laughs> but um, I created my first story just yesterday Yay! and I think part of me like I know <laughs> and even then I was like where is my story button <laughs> it's like oh my god how do I share that <laughs> I know. Is this now? Is this going to be a highlight? Or what is, yeah. what is going to happen? Why can't I see it? Oh, it's up on my logo. Funny. My husband is exactly the same as you. He's like, I've done my first story. Can you go and look at it? And he, yeah, he's not. He's not as Instagram heavy as me. Funnily enough, there's some people that go, hey, bro. And they think it's Otis. And it's me. You know, and we did an event last week. We just got back from LA. It was super jet lagged. And to be fair, it was kind of about him. Otis did a bit of public speaking yeah. and he was talking about his art life and his truck life. And it was like an, it's an investment company that are launching here in New mm -hmm. Zealand from Australia. And it was all about him. So I was fine with it because this one woman came to the truck at the end of it and she went to me, can I speak to the boss? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I just thought if it was any other time, I wouldn't have let it slide. But it was his kind of day, you know. Yes. But it was funny when she was like, can I speak to the boss? <laughs> I let it go. There were lots. I know who the real exactly. <laughs> there were lots of older women that thought he was fabulous, and I was like, "Take him, take him." <laughs> yeah, he was hot property that day. It was that was quite funny because you never know. You should never make assumptions, and you know, and in advertising, I was paid less than you know my male counterparts, mm. things like that. So I'm pretty passionate about pay equality and gender mm. equality and girl bosses. I'm all for girl bosses. <laughs> girl bosses who know how to do stories. Yes. <laughs> now you'll do more and I'm going to stop well, following I you. Think so. like, well, with me, it was like I didn't do many of it because I think I was putting a lot of expectation of having perfect content. Yeah. Just like, stuff it. Like, just do it. I think and, imperfect is good. Yeah. And then, so I've just given myself that permission. And then I noticed your story last night watching... Um, <laughs> the Chase. The Chase! <laughs> With the beer, and then watching um, the tuxedo. So it, it kind of makes you feel a bit more relatable, because like Charles pointed, my husband pointed out, oh look, she's watching tuxedo too. I'm like, oh cool, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> you have a beer though, damn. Beer o'clock, hot shower, couch is my ultimate end to the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you first plunged into the food truck business world, yes. Was there any tension and or like nervousness or anxiety around transitioning to that? Because, I mean, although you hated your advertising <laughs> job, was it still scary to let go of it? Or actually just change your whole life? It's still part of your daily routine and what your normal is. You totally, know? 100%. And I think one of the hardest things for me, you've got to just um, throw yourself in there and believe in what you're doing. Because I, I actually went from... Just before we started the truck, I had a nine-month contract in advertising. And actually, I loved it. It was the, an agency called Sugar, and we had lots of fun. And I think because I knew it wasn't permanent, I enjoyed it. Yes. I had nine months. It was very well paid. It paid for the fit-out of the truck, of the yeah. Lucky Taco yeah. truck. 
Um, and I really enjoyed it. Got an awesome ad. Went to Budapest and shot a TV ad, the last ad. Nice. I was just like, it was awesome fun. And then the truck wasn't ready. Like anything you build, you know, it costs more and it'll take longer than you think with anything you build. Yes. That's like, it's going to happen. So then we were like, I was unemployed and the truck was about four months behind schedule. Um, and I had no job. Otis is an artist, so that income is up and down um, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I'm going to have to do something. I need to work. So my lovely friend, Tam, who's got um, an audio business called Liquid Studios, I said, have you got any work? I said, and she was like, yep, yep, sure. Come in and, you know, just be help on reception, make coffees for clients. So I used to do audio there when I was in advertising. Mm. And then I went from that to making people I used to work with coffee and tea and bringing them lunch. Wow. <laughs> and it was hard. It was really, yeah, really hard to yeah. do that. And went from getting paid quite a lot Mm. on a daily rate to getting paid $18 an hour. Yeah, wow. So I went from that to that, like, overnight. Yes. <laughs> and then I helped waitress in um, our friend's restaurant in Ponsonby, Maldito Mendez. Mm. They've moved now. I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. They're not there anymore. Again, I went, you know, 20 bucks an hour, waitressing at 33. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Hey, I loved yeah. it. I actually loved it. But it was just the, it was the different lifestyle yeah. change, like you said. And also, like, your mindset, because... You do feel when you're in those moments, even though you don't regret your choice mm. and you're like, I really want to do this, this food truck thing. But the fact that you are um, doing a job that feels like you're going backwards yeah, in yeah. some sense, yeah. that's quite crushing. It is quite crushing. And I to- felt pretty crushed. I can tell you that I, I felt pretty crushed, especially there was one girl I really just disliked a yeah. lot. Um, and we didn't get on. We just didn't gel. Mm. I know she asked for like... A particular she went oh can you make a good coffee <laughs> that was my moment of just totally yeah. crushed I will never forget that moment um, and it's good training to start your own business because I am the floor mopper I am the designer of websites I am the accountant I'm the boss I'm the cook I'm the dishwasher yes. you've got to be everything if you're not prepared to get your hands dirty and do everything yeah. you'll not survive yeah. someone helped us out once and said oh they were like, do you need a hand doing stuff? Like often people do. Yes. You know, if I say I'm busy, the amount of people that will be yeah. like, I can come and help in the kitchen, yeah. which is lovely. Yeah. The power of social media. And I said, actually, I need help with deliveries. Now we have a chill truck provider mm-hmm. foods that come once a week and they'll take all the taco mm-hmm. kits. And it's, you know, got a schedule, a system. system but before yeah. that, we just deliver them ourselves mm-hmm. to all the fire refreshers. I said, yeah, could you deliver all these taco kits for me? And, and they were like, okay, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. And they came back. And I said, how was it? And they were like, oh, it was fine. But they thought I was just the delivery guy. And I was like, well, you are what? just the yeah. delivery guy. When you're yeah. delivering stuff, you're the delivery guy. Yeah. You know, Otis will stand in here and wash dishes for two hours. And then the next day, he'll be doing public speaking at an event where women are dropping at his feet because they think he's cool and, and, and real. So interesting. And yeah. I think someone that can do that. Yeah as really confident in themselves. And I think that's really important to talk about because, again, it's on the surface level, it seems all glamorous, Mm. but what the hard yakka Mm. that goes behind it involves you not just doing what's fun and fancy. Totally. It's like the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah, it's mopping. It's it's It's, like cleaning out the back of them fridges. You know, The reality of it. The reality of of it. it. And maybe that should be shared more. I do think 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 that. So I'm going to take that on board, actually. It's like... And I do try and share that. I think it's important to share as well when there's this little bit of a rise in culture that 
entrepreneurship is like it's sexy it's sexy <laughs> you know like yeah everyone should like find their thing and be an entrepreneur because that's the ultimate thing mm. and i was like no, it's actually a lot of crying and yes. dirty work in the background. I think people know that deep down. And you know what? I've never once called myself an entrepreneur. I hate the word. I've never used it. I will not use it in a hashtag. I detest it. Okay, I, I won't use that no, in, my, no. in my description. Then. No, no, it's like entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. I just really don't like that word. And I've heard it used so many times. I, I just think... I'm a, just, I'm a small business owner. I'm an owner-operator. Yeah. I'm the doer of things and the maker of tacos. Uh, I, just, I just find that word a bit sickly. It's like, well, you know how they say, you have to really love what you do because otherwise that's why you don't survive. But that's why I feel yeah. there is that sudden drop or after within five years or after a lot of people don't survive because there is a misconception of what actually is involved in the background and how much of a mental strain it is. Yeah, because you're on all the time and you've got to be suited to it for sure. And you you even think after one year, you're like, oof, one year of that. It's like, get ready for the ride because it's going to go on. And that's what happened to us. We we opened, it was popular. Mm. People were talking about it. You know, hot flavor, you know, everyone's writing about you and it's great. And you're like, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing it, Mm. we're right, we're awesome, we're awesome, we rock. And then people start sniffing around because they, they want a little piece or people think oh, we can make money from them guys and I didn't really know how to run a business <laughs> I had no clue to be fair I do now but I didn't and we nearly lost everything because of that or because of my naivety I was good at the marketing side because mm-hmm. I'm advertising yes. we were Otis and I together could do the branding because we're visual people yes. he's an artist I'm an ex-graphic designer yes. art director and I know I could communicate and above all else, I knew I could make a really awesome taco. <laughs> so that was all great, but I didn't know how to run a business. And about a year and a bit in, we got involved with the biggest food producers and manufacturers in Australasia. Wow. Okay. And they were going to take our brand and um, mass produce it in New Zealand and Australia. Mm. And I was like, quids in. We're brilliant. Yeah. We're, we've made it. We've cracked it. We're going to be millionaires. Um, they'll just pay us a royalty on our products. We, we developed the, this whole range. We had desserts. We had, you name it. Yes. This went on for a year. Wow. And it was very distracting. I took my eye off the ball in terms of really, you know, the business that we created and um, got sucked into that vacuum. And then we were having champagne on the roof celebrating. And then a week later, it was just gone. Someone said no, and they launched their own brand after a year's worth of research. So needless to say, I don't really have a lot of nice things to say. Mm. But, you know, I don't know. And there were some nice people that we worked with, nothing against them. It wasn't their fault. Something happened in Australia, um, and they launched their own brand, which is still um, ambient, like old El Paso. So yeah. not ours, everything we do is chilled because it's fresh. Right. And that's why we're more expensive and... You know, gotcha. that, that's a challenge in itself. But anyway, that's another story. And then after that, which was such a hit for me, we got involved. I call it my business rebound relationship because mm-hmm. I was kind of damaged goods after that. We then got involved with another couple of guys. These guys know what they're doing. It's yeah. perfect. Brilliant. And that was the start of the meal kit business that we do mm. now do. And that's the biggest and growing part of our business. But it's just tacos. It ended up with them getting really complicated and we partnered up with other street food people and it was yes. like burgers and tacos, dumplings and tacos. Anyway, the relationships just broke down quite quickly. I'd lost control of the business. 
and I knew it wasn't right, but I was just, we were too far involved. The, we weren't making any money, the business, everything was just, everything was rocky. Mm-hmm. And the wheels came off really badly and it got very ugly and mm. solicitors and right. threatens to take us to court and we lost a lot of money and nearly had to sell our house and everything <laughs> and um, we made it out. That was three years ago. So what do you think helped you A, get out of that situation? Um, and <laughs> Cigarettes and alcohol. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I, don't smoke, I don't smoke anymore, but I, I did. It's we, but like, I th- what was the biggest, I guess, learning from that? Because I think that's that will be something quite useful for people to know and be mindful of before they get into the bigger and bright-eyed, bushy-tailed yes. ventures, supposedly, yep. um, that can also have its own can of worms. I think because we're good people, you think that people that you're going to get involved with are good people. Mm. And not everyone is good people, and there are people that will take advantage and yeah. want what you've got and try and monetize it. And um, they were not the right fit. They're not the same people as us. They don't have the same values as us, and I learned that yes. the hard way. I, you know what? In a way, I want to actually give them all a big hug and a high five because yeah. it was a very, very horrible, hard lesson. But I think you grow, you grow through them hard times. Yes. You don't really learn when you're happy. You're like, I'm happy, <laughs> but you learn so much. I learned that I was terrible. I was terrible financially. I've never been good with numbers my entire life, mm-hmm. and I needed to be focused on the numbers, yes. and I wasn't. And now, the, I mean, zero is a great piece of software for home accounting. I had an amazing guy, Dan, Dan Pang, my guy, my accountant, that sat with me for days and days and weeks and helped me through the mess of that yeah. whole situation. And every morning now, I look, I log on to zero. I can see what's in. I can see what's out. I can, I can reconcile everything. I became an accountant in about a month because I had to be. Mm. I had to fix the mess. I had to get us out of the financial hardship we were in. Yes. Um, amazing solicitor who waved off about $8,000 worth of fees because we've been through enough. There was the equal amount of amazing people. So from that situation in particular, mm. would your advice be to keep track of your numbers? Yes, 100%. It's the most important thing. Yeah. And also screen, in some ways, the people that you are planning to work yes. with, whether they shame shameless share values. Yes. Um, I mean, the amount of people after this happened that yeah. were like, oh God, I've heard really bad things about such and such and I was like why did no one say anything and people were like oh we thought actually maybe you guys you know maybe it might work it's like no it didn't work it was horrific and one of the worst times and it's also a really personal a bad time personally for me because I lost my my granddad Mm. and we were in the UK for five days because that's all the time we could spare and that's when it all got ugly back here so I was dealing with um, that jet lag no money a broken business and then yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> One of the things that I really like to talk about is failure, mm. you know, because mm. they really suck when they happen, mm. but also they um, are huge learning and turning points. Absolutely. So would you say in that sense that out of all of your experience that has been the most significant sort of failure experience? Yes. Um, that. <laughs> you've learned from? Absolutely, 100%. We got through that. I shouldn't say this. I should touch some wood. But I don't know whether anything could be get as bad as that right. again. Yeah. So I feel, and I'm very protective of the Lucky Taco now. Yes. I'm like, like we were talking about earlier, like, you guys should expand. You guys should start a restaurant. Yes. You guys, 
you know, the amount of people that ask us to be in every mall, every new commercial mm. bathe precinct, mm. um, Sam, the fish market, st- set up a Lucky Taco. And we've said no. We've said no for the past year and a bit. And look, the opportunity for a bricks and mortar permanent Lucky Taco will mm. never go away. Yes. Um, but I don't know whether I want to devote my life to that right now yes. because well, we have a good mm. life. We have a good life. We get to see our friends and... You know, we get to have the odd weekend off every now and, ag- yes. and again, and that's important to me. Well, that was the same kind of response from Giapo as well, because <laughs> he's like, oh, I get yeah. franchise yeah. requests, like, every day. I bet. And he's like, no, this is kind of our heart and soul and our passion. Yes, and I love them just, guys. He's like, we don't do this just for the sake of a job. We really believe and what protect we, our vision. Totally. What, what we What we do, so... You have to keep saying no, no to that. And, Even and though saying, it's tempting to sometimes go, ooh, should we do this? Yes, and saying no is so important. And I've learned that the hard way too. I'd be like, it's when we first started, yes, yes, yes to everything. Yes, yes, yes. It'd be, you know, just do everything. Mm-hmm. And, and saying no, there's a lot of power in saying no. It's actually, you know, that's not right for us. What we've got, like you say, is, is important. It's not just a business. It's, it's our life. Yeah, it's keeping you clear with who you want to be and who you are, yeah. you know, like, and having that conviction to go, no, this is actually not right for us because... Totally. I mean, I, I the, and the funny thing is, you know, Otis and I made a rod for our own backs, really, because no one else has ever made tacos in the truck seven mm-hmm. years. We've had someone helping on the till, so yes. casual staff, yeah. friends, helpers, um, but Otis and I are always in the truck because it's, it's a performance. It's not just, it's not just tacos. It's a thing. And then, so when people email me to book the truck, they're like, it is going to be you and Otis in the truck, isn't it? It's like, yeah, "Yeah, it is, because it always is. And that's why I'm more expensive than everyone else. (laughs) And and I think it's important to protect that in some ways, because I have experienced other places where when they first started out, there was a level, level of dedication and charm. Yeah. Because it was coming from the pure, raw, passion of the the person. The source. Soul of um, the person who started it. Totally. But when that is replaced, it really has a trickle-down effect. It's yeah. like you can't articulate what it is, but something feels not the it's same. It's not the same. I know, yeah. and, I, and I completely get that, and that's that's the power. I'll tell you who does it amazingly well, and I'm super jealous. Again, is I keep mentioning Al Brown. Al Brown? <laughs> He's not paid me to say <laughs> I want to um, interview him. I, I even messaged should... him, but I was like, he was too busy. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so I'll keep guy. trying. Keep trying. I'll You'll keep get trying. through. You'll get through. Yeah. Tell him Sarah and Otis from Lucky Tarkas yeah, if he has to I do it. Yeah, because I talked to uh, Stuart, I think. That who his, works as his guy. Yeah. He's an amazing guy, and he has amazing staff. Yeah. Because I love the Fed Deli. It's like one of my favorite. That chicken sandwich from the Fed is like yeah. one of my favorite things. And a dirty martini. Dirty pickled martini, actually. But he just has amazing staff, and he seems to just... A little piece of him is in all of them people, mm-hmm. and I think he's really amazing at that. I, I, if anyone does it right, he does that right. To keep that yeah. quality and standard. Yes. Don't know what that magic is, but he's got it. So you can ask him. <laughs> I'd be interested. I'd love to. I'd we'll be get interested we'll to hear. But with that experience, again, that you had shit hit the fan in the shit. biggest possible way, <laughs> what helped you kind of come out of that with a more positive sort of outlook? Because mm. at that point, it's easy to go, oh, my God, this it's was so over. stressful. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Mm. Let's just can it. But to actually have some kind of resilience Mm, and where that resilience comes from to go okay we can do this this is not the end of the world how do we go back to 
us? Yes, that's very. That's a really good question. I think we're very lucky, Otis and I. We have each other. Yeah. I definitely don't think a soul you would have gotten through that alone. Mm. We've got amazing family and amazing friends. Mm. And I mean, even though we did retreat, I, I became. I don't know whether I was depressed. Possibly. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, you do become quite insular when shit hits the fan because you're trying to deal with it. You don't want to share. You know, it's like social media. You you want to share the best version of yourself. Yes. You don't want to, I didn't want to see anyone, I didn't want to go out because I was miserable as hell. Yeah. I, everything was falling apart and I didn't know how we'd get through. I started smoking, that that was one, a bad crutch. Yeah. Um, I, I was full of bad energy. Yeah. And I read something, oh, it was stupid memes, but you know, words are powerful. Yes, and I read something like, um, become better, not bitter. And I was like, yeah, mm, I'm so, so good. good. And Simple, I, but so good. So good, because I was. I was bitter, and it wasn't helping me. It's not going to get me out of that rut, and it's not who I am. So I think, again, you know, I've just become a better person after dealing with that, because you can overcome adversity, and with your friends. And we were lucky enough that, you know, family could help financially, because we were stuck. Yeah. And friends got involved, or other friends from overseas. We paid them out, essentially, yeah. to not have shares in our business, because yeah. I didn't want them, them to be part of our life yeah. so we were just an amazing solicitor yeah I think we just got through it day by day blindly I, I kind of remember the feeling a little bit but you know your brain has got a really great way of eliminating the bad so you can kind of um, get on with things I yeah. think because yeah. I just don't know how we got through it to be fair just support support yeah having <laughs> support, the right people around you support and just to help you yeah, yeah. and breathing and also maybe taking that time out to go and retreat. It's almost like a grieving process. It was grieving. Licking wounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just needed to lick wounds for a while and kind of figure out how it all happened. Yeah. And, and it's just made me more cautious. But definitely um, more cautious, but still with that capacity to love more. Yes. So it's just because you've been yeah. damaged and hurt by people doesn't mean, you know, that you have to kind of carry that negativity. No, you've no. got to let that shit go because no. it's um, become better, not bitter. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> what I found was like also it's like a bit of process to let it go. Oh yeah. Like yeah, you can't just be like I'm feeling yeah. better about this now. Yeah. No. I, I should feel it's okay. I'll feel better. I feel and then they're like you do two weeks of like okay no it's okay it's okay it's okay and then it just goes poof down complete like extreme spiral and you're just like on the floor. Oh there's lots of crying and lots yeah. of sleepless nights and you know. And then you feel better after it because it's like almost denying yourself. And feeling that disappointment can actually hold you back from letting go. Yeah. So you can't go straight to letting go after something shit happens. No. You almost have to go, oh my god, that sucked. Because I put a lot of effort into this. So much hard oh, work. I know. And you see and it all just crumbling. Because and it's you love what you do. And, mm. and it's totally normal to feel disappointed. I stopped, I kind of stopped eating. I was just like... Yeah. And Otis would like... He got quite worried and you know, stayed home. Because he's got a studio out mm. west where... He, he arts yeah. and um, you know he does that Monday to Friday which you know keeps him sane and got yeah. back to his art life but he'd stay home and be like eat the omelette yeah. <laughs> I was like oh. <laughs> yeah no I lost lost a lot of weight not a happy bunny <laughs> well I haven't experienced anything to that degree but I've experienced that to a smaller degree where I'm like you put so much expectation and heart into something and it doesn't deliver mm. in the way you were hoping it to be 
and then you just mob around for a few days totally and weeks and you go oh, well that sucked why didn't that work out for me because it was there something wrong with me should i not be doing this maybe i'm doing the wrong thing and then you're like no just things just don't always go your way that's right and yeah. you learn and you know what i like i said before i feel like giving them guys a high five now because it was the most expensive business lesson i've ever learned no. fast painful and yeah. expensive but yeah. um i needed to learn it yeah. we wouldn't be where we are now if i Definitely. hadn't fallen that far and it wasn't nice it's not a nice way to learn but i mean and I, you know what we did um about two months ago was it two months ago we did an event in tauranga dialogue dialogue mm-hmm. events a really amazing event with um just lots of incredible people doing sharing their business stories mm-hmm. every person whether they made shoes drinks tacos all had that story of uh, misery or like failure everyone had the failure story and we shared ours you know i shared what i've just shared with you and people people one woman said she nearly started crying because it was just it was so painful it was and i call it the um the fuckening it's like when everything's going really well and then something comes and ruins it all that's what it is and it was really nice to share that with all of the people that have been through the same thing and everyone was like yes what happened to me yeah, yeah. not exactly the same way yeah. but it happened in hindsight it's like made you stronger and clearer and more fierce <laughs> yeah and focus on yeah. who you are yeah and who you want to be rather than being sidetracked yeah and being molded or thinking that because i think when we got involved there's so much work in running a business mm-hmm. i didn't think that we could do it ourselves yeah. so i was waiting for that golden ticket the golden fielder i was thinking we're awesome someone's going to want what we've done someone will kind of take us and save us yeah, yeah. it'll be like a disney movie yeah and we'll, yeah, we'll be saved by a prince <laughs> and that's what i thought because I, i thought there's no way we we can do this ourselves and you can and it's the only way i think it's yeah. the only way is just do it yourself i think my new mm-hmm. motto is slow and steady wins the race yes slow and steady like you said before nothing happens overnight like overnight success is a is a myth that yeah. doesn't happen people say that because all of a sudden everyone knows who they are all, all of a sudden that's really famous it's like no it's because for the past 10 years they've been working their asses off yeah. yeah and then it's like oh them guys yeah everything takes practice yeah who's the famous basketball michael jordan yeah said he's he's failed more times than he's succeeded in in some ways like if you aren't failing you aren't growing no because you don't have anything to learn off exactly you know you've got to fail yeah you've got to fail even though i don't know why we i mean because it sucks doesn't it it sucks to fail but you've got it it just has to happen well that's why i kind of like to talk about it from a different space of like not just what was that thing that failed and how did you improve it it's mm. like how did you get back up from it from a more emotional standpoint because i think failure is not something just about something not working mm. but it's like processing that feeling of of disappointment or shame it's yes. more the emotional aspect of it yeah. that seems mammoth but when you sometimes look at it in a more objective way it's like oh okay maybe i just need to do this this way it is emotional growth and i remember i always remember them saying to me you've got to take the emotion out of the business which is probably the most retarded thing no. i've ever heard no. yeah but people still believe that that business you can't be emotional running a business i know what they mean because it, look so, so i will take everything completely to heart i yeah. can't help it it's the yeah. way i am 
Um, I've learned to get better at it because, of course, when you put products out there, people will complain about stuff, yes. you know, or a salsa will be exploded or they don't like that we've changed the tortillas in the taco kits. They'll even complain to the store and go to great mm. lengths. Some people will go to great lengths to complain about you, which is just life. Mm. But the more you put yourself out there, the more you're good and bad you're going to get back. Yes. Can't just be good. So, you know, I'll be sat on the couch and, you know, watching Tuxedo <laughs> and I'll check my emails and there'll be someone complaining about something yeah. and it'll just break my heart. I've tried to stop looking at my emails in the evening, but yeah. I do. How do you, how do you pro- process criticism in that sense? I kill people with kindness. <laughs> I do. I'm just, I, but I, I, of course I don't want people to be unhappy. Mm. So I will just say, you know, I'll apologize. I'll send them some product. I'll send yeah. them some free product. Look, you need constructive criticism too. Mm. You do need to take that on board. But there's a difference between constructive criticism and someone just having a whinge. And you can tell in the language, like, you know, if in the email that they'll yes. get to me, it's like, oh, this was horrible. I hated that. It's like, well, it's not horrible. You know, but if someone's like, hey, we, you know, we're a fan of your products, but um, this had happened or the date was wrong and it, the salsa wasn't right, and I'll just be like, I'm just really sorry about that. And I'll send them the next day, I'll just put it on a courier and. Yeah with a little note or something. Um, you can't please everybody. Yeah. I think that's a good lesson to learn. And how do you sort of take in that criticism or feedback in a healthy way for yourself and not go, not take it too hard in mm. some ways? Yeah, there's this objective way of responding kindly. But you can do that but still go, oh my God, that sucked. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible. You can still spiral into your own oh, space. Totally, totally. You have a way of like kind of snapping out of it to go, oh my <sighs> Don't take this too literally. I'm like, better. I'm, I'm yeah. much better at it. In fact, I always just used to be able to tell. And now if I get it, I don't even tell him because I don't want to like burden him with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I, I just think it's just part of running a business. And it's just, I really, really am much better at it. I just mm-hmm. kind of, I don't get emotional about it. Yeah. it. It's just, just fix it. How do you feel like you've gotten better at it? Is there... Just practice. <laughs> just knowing that feeling, knowing it's going to happen. Because at first, when it's you know, when you, when you're new and someone complains, it's like you, it's a personal attack. Yes. It's not. You've just got to deal with it. Okay. Um, it's just like just fix the problem. Mm. And in any small business, look, there'll be there'll probably be like mm. ten problems today, right? Yes. Probably. In fact, there was the truck yeah. wouldn't turn off this morning, right? It kept running. Yeah. So it's at the mechanic. Luckily, we've not got a booking. And the truck isn't pumping out diesel mm. fumes into someone's front yard. Mm. There's like, there's just going to be problems and you just got to kind yes. of keep smashing through them. Do you feel like you have any tools or practices that you feel help you be more creative with your work? Not really. I don't even know. That's a really hard question. I, I think you said experiment. Yeah, that? lots of experimenting. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Lots yeah. of experiment. If I've got an idea, experimenting with it. But someone asked about... Or what was our social media strategy? And I said, um, just like everyday life, yeah. <laughs> as it happens, mm. I think that's it. It's not curated. Yes. In terms of inspiration and motivation, have you ever been stuck in those areas? <laughs> oh, there's definitely days where I've not wanted to get out of bed, for sure. But you have to. You know, you don't get any sick days when you yeah. run your own business. So you've just got to power on through, kind of literally. But we do take time out. For ourselves and I'm only just getting better at that now in fact a friend of mine kind of made me um, cry in LA because um, we were all sat around having a you know a good time and she was like what's wrong and I was like nothing's wrong I think I was just kind of tired as well yeah. we've been working and she said you know you need to learn to be more grateful 
I was like, I am grateful. I'm really grateful for everything. And she went, she went, no, be grateful for you. I just burst out crying because <laughs> I think you just kind of want to please people all the time. Yeah. You forget about yourself. I'm really bad yeah. at, at that. Just with your art directing, mm. and you have such extensive experience in it from your past as well. Mm. Have you found or noticed any differences in the way you approach creativity now as a cook and a food business operator versus as an art director? Yes, that's such a good question. I was even thinking this last night. I'll try and keep this succinct. When I first started working in advertising as an art director mm. with my copywriter, Mick, so one of my best friends, I'd come from a design background. Yes. And art direction and design are very, very different things. Mm. Design can be way more intrinsic. And of course, it's both about visual communication. Yes. But art direction is to kind of sell something quickly, get something across. Yeah. But design can be more elaborate, more beautiful, more artistic. Mm. Um, art direction has got to work hard, and I never got that. I was always making things too fancy, and Mick was like, it's not really communicating. The hierarchy is wrong. You know, we're trying to sell this. Mm. Why have you put so much emphasis on this bit of design that doesn't communicate anything? It just looks pretty. Best art direction looks pretty and communicates really powerfully. Yes. And... When I was doing the posters for Taste on the computer the other mm. night, I now know, and, and now I've come full circle. I'm a designer, I'm an art director, I'm a copywriter, and I'm a business owner. And the number one thing for me is to make sure people are understanding what I'm saying mm. and buying our product. And now I'm like, mm, I'm looking at it going, it does not need to be schmancy fancy. It needs to just be simple and big, fewer words as possible and a big website <laughs> I am like oh my god I never understood that I think if I went back into advertising now mm. I'd be way better I'd be so good I'd be like the best I'd be the best copyright because I know what it's like to own a business and to, and to get that message across and I never knew that in advertising I never knew what it was like for it to really work hard mm. I was just a self-indulgent art director wanting well, to make things look pretty or like the focus is too much about making something cool and different looking yes. and beautiful rather than getting a, a very clear message across. 100%. Yeah. I, I think that is one of my biggest learnings looking back on myself, not knowing any of that. And we cut out a lot of costs when we were mm -hmm. going through shitville. And now I do everything. Well, Otis and I do everything. Yes. Lucky Taco is all about as many colours as possible. So, mm. you know, we haven't got a brand guidelines book yeah. or anything. We just know what works and kind of keep it on brand really you know what energy you want to get across yeah you know exactly yeah. but it is quite cool to be able to just design your own posters I and mean, it's good to have that background with your experience what advice would you give to anyone trying to really be confident in their own process mm. you know what you can really trust your gut i know that sounds silly but that saying came from some source of truth and every bad decision i've ever made it's never felt right in my stomach I've ignored it quite a lot of times, but it, your gut is always right. Your gut's like your emotional center. Yes. You know, I think you've got to trust your gut. Just be authentic to who you are. Not everyone's going to like what you do, but who cares about what everyone else thinks as long as you're doing what you love. Yes. You know, um, yeah, you can be unsure of what you want to do, but also I feel like now there's been enough people in our yeah. life and our journey that love what we do or people send me messages on instagram going we love you guys we love your brand so you get that validation and i think once you've got a bit of that validation combined with your own kind of vibe of yes. i'm doing this honestly and authentically as i can then you're like yeah okay we're, we're doing all right sometimes again like we were talking about before you get caught up in the routine yeah is there something that helps you stay connected with you know the love for what you do 
every day is completely different. Yes. You know, I know there is a lot of routine, like like I say, the recipes and the do. Yes, that's actually routine, but I actually quite like I like the routine because it keeps me grounded. Interesting. Yeah. Because everything does change, and mm. customers you're dealing with new people. There's always new projects on the go. Otis and I have always got pr- there's always fingers in pies. Yes. All the time. Yes. So you've got to hustle your way through life yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So I love the process of making something I've made hundreds and hundreds of times. It's where I can kind of think. Mm. So for you, what helps you stay connected with um, your love for the Lucky Taco is actually the routine. Repet- repetition. repetition. Mm. I think, what's that amazing movie about the sushi guy? I Dream of Sushi. Yeah. He's like 80-something, and he does. he's been doing the same thing every day like you no know, completely repetitive mm. and it's like some kind of like shaman monk mm. thing that you've just got to keep doing it and doing it and he still doesn't think he's good enough and it's like a michelin star sushi place wow. in tokyo um i dream of G- jiro and and he's been there for 40 years oh my goodness so there's yeah. a lot to be said about the repetition yes. and kind of enjoying the repetition or mm. think what you think are the boring tasks like funny <laughs> the picking of coriander right yeah. so when we do any booking I don't like roughly chopped coriander. I like beautiful leaves. And I will spend two hours picking the leaves of coriander off the stem. And I used to hate it. I think it was totally boring. Everyone that I've ever had in the kitchen helping me would always pull the face at that job. And I think that's a very important job. And I now enjoy it. So it's learning to... (laughs) Enjoy the mundane. Yeah, because life is crazy, man. And, like, give me some of that repetition. You know, that's why kids like their own TV show. Because... Kids laugh at repetition because they, they know they've learnt it, so it makes them feel good. If you watch any kids' show, there'll be a lot of repeats, and that's why kids are like, yay, I know it's familiar, that's I know an, it. That's an awesome way to do it. I love that, I love that. Um, so last one. This is a quote by Jack London, mm-hmm. where he says, you can't wait for inspiration, you have to go after it with a club. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's true. You can't sit there and like in front of a blank canvas with a pencil, thinking that there's some lightning bolt's gonna come down your arm and you know create this masterpiece. It's experimenting. It's just working hard every day, and and then you end up creating beautiful things. But it doesn't it doesn't just happen like that. You've got to grab it. Awesome! Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of Curiously Creative. We hope it has sparked a little, or a lot, of creativity and curiosity in you. Curiously Creative is a production by Curiously Creative. Who would have thought? So if you'd like to know our comings and goings, and check out some more inspiring content, head on over to curiouslycreative.co.nz. Until the next episode, with lots of love and a massive splash of joy, Akriti, your creative curiosity advocate. Oh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a comment on iTunes as it helps more people find these conversations.